Hello everybody and welcome back to the Two Footed Tackle podcast. I'm your host, Irish Samatakos. I'm a slightly croaky host, if you can if you can hear it in my voice. It's slightly not there, it's kind of going. Um this isn't sleep this isn't caused by any sleep deprivation. I have been sleeping well, don't worry. Um despite despite the ridiculous hours of the kickoffs of the of the World Cup in Australia. But um no, I was out of twenty first last night, was indulging. Um and yeah, I didn't. I, I wasn't. I didn't get. Um, I, I drove there, so I wasn't. Of course, not dry, Not drinking. Um, as a result of that, I ensured no hangover. Um, I was like, I needed to be. I can't. I don't think I would be able to do it hungover, considering that I would have to wake up early, um, get this out before two, and when I'm hungover, I, I stay in bed till about three o'clock. So, um, that could that couldn't have worked. But um, no. So yeah. Um, we're all good. We're all good. Just slightly croaky. Lost the voice a little bit, as you can tell. Um, I apologize if this is a slightly less more um, audio or um, hearing appealing um, episode. Hopefully, my voice will be back tomorrow, um, and it'll be fully fine when we review uh, when we review tomorrow's games. And of course, there's one big game which we'll be touching on, which we'll touch on, of course at the end of this podcast. Um, but no, I hope everyone's. I hope everyone. Um, I hope everyone's well. I hope everyone had a fantastic day yesterday. I hope everyone enjoyed the football, despite. Um, Despite some boringness with it, but um, this has little been a little bit of a theme of this World Cup, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, hope everyone's well. Hope everyone's well. And do we crack on? Do I need to say anything else? No, I don't. Let's so do I crack on or do I need to say anything else? As I was saying, uh, no, we're gonna crack on. Actually, plugging all the stuff. Subscribe to the Two Foot Tucker Podcast as I as I'm obliged to to plug. Um, as I'm obliged to plug all the stuff, all the socials. So yeah, um, subscribe to subscribe to the Two Foot Tackle Podcast YouTube channel. Notifications as well. Apologies that the first, that the last two episodes have gone out slightly later than two p.m. First one went out at two thirty, then tomorrow went out at two fifteen, uh, or yesterday went out at two fifteen. I should say. Um, just YouTube. One or uh, the two days two days ago was an uploading error, so it's uploaded again, which just delayed it. Um, and then the day out, and then yesterday was a processing error. So um, out of my control, unfortunately, but it is what it is. It kind of just ruined my OC day a little bit. I want it to be 2 p.m. every single day, um, but it is what it is, 2.30, 2 o'clock. It's by the by, really. Same, 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 but different. Um, but yeah, hopefully it should be up by 2 o'clock. If it's not, um, if for whatever reason it's delayed by any time, I'll tweet about it. Um, it'll, go on my, it'll go on Instagram. I'll let everyone know on the socials. Don't worry about it. Um, so yeah, if you want to find those socials and if you want to follow it for any updates, um head on head on over to the description of the youtube then you'll find it all there um and i don't think you would have gone i don't think you're going to be listening to the audio if you don't already know what the socials are because that's just yeah um but yeah what else are we gonna we're gonna crack on yeah let's go let's start wales versus iran as the first game are we have i done finished saying everything i have done i've finished saying everything so let's crack on with the first game and that is wales iran now this is a game which I was looking forward to for for a couple of reasons. Firstly, looking at it from an Iran perspective, I, will, I wanted to see, maybe not Iran themselves, but I wanted to see everyone's reaction to Iran. Because what, because the first time, kind of, or the only experience at this World Cup that people have had of Iran was being dismantled by a scintillating England side scintillating England side um 
so I wanted to see people's reactions when they came up against someone who came up against a team who they're potentially better than or if or if not at least on par with and see just how and just see just how good they they can be of course if you look at how the game panned out Wales had a little bit more possession and a little bit had and had more of the chances in the first half um Wales had more chances in the first half. They really did dominate the game. It kind of went to how a lot of people would expect it to go in that first half. Wales being the more dominant side, Wales being a side that really, they really were like pressing the issue, being a little bit more aggressive, kind of asserting themselves on the game. However, they couldn't break through, and they, they and that's something that which we saw against the USA um, in the game before. They obviously got a point in that game through a penalty, but apart from that, they really really didn't create any big chances, and they, they do rely heavily on little bits of individual brilliance, um, little bits of individual brilliance in that final third to score a lot of their goals, and they're very heavily reliant on Kiefer Moore, which is something that if you're going to be a top international side, you can't be relying that heavily on a player who, with all due respect, isn't the elite, right? And and when you look at it, when you look at how the game panned out, Wales, of course, had a, had a, obviously, like I said, they, they dominated the first half. Both sides went into halftime. Iran needed to change things, and they did tactically. They changed things. Mentality-wise, they changed things. And structurally and instructions-wise, they changed things, and they got back into the game. They got back into the game. In that second half, and I got back into the game um, in a little bit of a better way. So, so what I mean by that is, they were pressing the issue a little bit more. They got on top of the game more than what what the more than what Wales had in that first half. And I, I, this goes to show, right? When you when you look into that, when you look at when you look at that second half, Iran kind of had little little flurries in a sense. They kind of attacked really aggressively, had a lot of the momentum, had a lot of the ball. And then they kind of sat back, conserved their energy, and then they went again, right? And this, this is partly to do with with the the like styles make fights in a sense, right? So that's obviously a phrase which is used obviously in in, in fights or in combat sports. Styles make fights, and style and that obviously can be translated to literally any other sport. When you look at when you look at tennis, if you have a if you have a big server versus a poor returner. It doesn't really matter how good the other aspects of the player's games are. The person with the big serve is probably going to get on top of the game purely because in that one very, very key aspect of the game, he's better than the than the other player. If you look at it, this obviously translates to like obviously styles make fights in combat sports. That's obviously very self-explanatory. And it obviously translates back into football, right? Because when you have when you have a team, when you have two sides who are relatively similar, similarly matched. There is a kind of a certain way that you can play in order to really, in order to expose the other team. And what I mean by that, and it's very, it was very evident in this game, was Iran's uh, was Iran's use of the counter attack. Iran's use of the counter attack was one of the kind of maybe not archetypal, but one of the cleverest ways of using a counter attack. And what I mean by that is. Wales and Iran are very similar teams in terms of the 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 players at the disposal are very similar. Their well roundedness is very similar, um, and Wales don't have the technical ability like Spain, England, Germany, um, Portugal, Netherlands, Uruguay, France. They don't have the technical ability of those sides to break teams down, to control possession, to pass it around, and be really kind of scintillating in the way that they play. Um, and and because of that, because they don't have the, the individual 
ability to pick up the ball, take a man on, play a one-two pass, fizz that ball into the striker, get it back off him and score. They don't have that class about them. And what that means is that in order to to break a side that sits in a relatively low block like Iran did, was they needed to flood more numbers forward to create numerical overloads. When you have numerical overloads, it doesn't really matter how good the players are. If you have a 2v1, at the professional level, the two should 99% of the time beat the one, right? So it doesn't really matter the quality of the player in that respect as long as they have those numerical overloads. Especially in wide areas, especially in areas in between the lines, the more numerical overloads you've got and the more number and the more quantity quantity of numbers you've got um, is, is, is good. It's a lot better and it works. However, what that means is when you have sides sitting very deep like Iran did, and they kind of suck you into to when they they kind of suck the opposition in and they tease the opposition in to hit to play with those numerical overloads in order to try and break them down. What that means is that if you get that quick turnover, they've got you've got numbers and you've got space to work with and you've got space to burn. And that's where that's where Iran were really really dangerous, especially on the counter attack. And that is that is because Wales didn't have the technical ability to. Didn't have the technical ability to to break Iran down, meaning that they had, that they have that they had to overexpose themselves in order to get those numerical advantages, thus leaving them open and thus leaving them very very exposed to the counter attack. So, it it was a little bit it was a kind of a chess game, which was kind of very interesting to to go back and watch because a lot of people were kind of saying, "Oh, Wales should win this quite comfortably." A lot of people rate rate the Wales squad. I don't necessarily rate them as highly as what a lot of people do. That is partly because of their over-reliance on Kiefer Moore, who we saw in the first game against the USA. When he wasn't playing, they had absolutely nothing up front. And yeah, it shows that there's obviously a key avenue to success for Wales, and they can. There's obviously like a key avenue where they can attack from and like kind of a forward fulcrum where they can build the rest of their game off. But when it's Kiefer Moore and not like, with all due respect, he isn't the elite of football. So like... That's why people people were going into this tournament saying Wales could could get out of the group, and I was I was thinking about it, and I was saying no chance they were getting out of the group. They're by far the fourth best team in that group, by far. It's not even close to me. the The gap between Wales and the USA is far closer than it is from Wales to Iran, because despite the talent they they've got, they just play such a I wouldn't say cowardice, but it's such a a system that is void of any sort of real tactical nuance and ability to break teams down. Like I said, they're so heavily reliant on Kiefer Moore. And I think a lot of people pre-tournament were really, really overrating them. For me, they were absolutely no chance of getting out of the group. They, of course, are practically no chance of getting out of the group right now as things stand. People were just drastically overrating them. And to me, this two this two new result um, to Iran didn't come as a shock to me. I predicted it last podcast because the talent disparity potentially isn't as great as what it could be, but the tactical disparity is so great. Like it is ridiculous how tactically nuanced um, and how tactically fluid Iran up compared to Wales. It's not even a competition. So this kind of so this result, excuse me, has kind of once again not come as a shock to me in the slightest. Because when you look at like I said, when you look at this, I mean I predicted it. I said two 0 Granted I changed it to two one, but like take my first answer. Um yeah. I was just I was kind of looking at that and just thinking, sorry, as I stopped my recording there so briefly, uh, it didn't come as a shock to me in the slightest this this performance, which 
maybe it comes as a shock to a lot of people and I'm not kind of sticking my nose up and saying, oh, look at how good I am. I'm so much, I know so much more about football than everyone else. But it's just, it's about, it's about isolating topics, right? Because once again, I, I, you can say, I, I can think as much as I want. I predicted Iran to beat Wales. I know so much about football. I'm also the same bloke that predicted Qatar to get through the group. Um, and also the same bloke that I think said, I don't think Ecuador would get a point. Um, and they've got four. So, like, it, it, it's kind of, it comes and goes, right? It swings around the bounce with, with predictions. Once again, it's football, right? It's practically a 50-50 chance, let's be honest. So, it's a 50-50 chance because you're either right or you're wrong. So, um, yeah, it's kind of funny how things panned out. But um, as we, like... Yeah, they're just two cents on Iran and Wales, I should say. As as we as we move into the the back end of the game, after I've just given a rant about Wales, um, Wayne Hennessy is now Jorge Masvidal. Um, what is with people getting need in the face this World Cup? Like, I mean, we saw in the Saudi Arabia game that was absolutely gruesome. Like, just head injuries in general. Oh, how's the voice there? Head injuries in general, like. Obviously, you have, the, you have the the Saudi Arabia game, that horrific injury to like that player. I can't remember who it was, but he's he's surely his tournament's done, right? I I I'm pretty sure it is. I think he had like a fractured collarbone, or I mean cheekbone, or maybe even a fractured skull, unfortunately. But um, no, that that was that was gruesome. Um, you obviously had the the Iran goalkeeper against England that was horrendous as well, and he had this as well. I'm not too sure the ramifications in terms of did the player get subbed at the end. Um, no, so the, funny enough, the player didn't actually get subbed off, which is quite funny. But um, but still, it, it was just absolute. That it was gruesome. It was quite. It you, you were shuddering at um at the at the thought of of what potentially that could have been because especially when you're running full tel- when you're running full pelt at someone and you get knee in the face and you get kind of like a whiplash effect where your head goes back before the rest of your body and like the rest of your body sweeps underneath you you can hit your head man like that's so like yeah fuck i'll, I'll watch that i was like jeez that's that's not good and of course we saw it we've seen like so many other times especially when you're mid-air and you get hit not good either but um yeah, that was obviously, of course, caused a red card, which um, that caused a red card, which didn't really lead to the goals, but kind of played a big hand in the goals. If you, if you were to, you would think that maybe with maybe with all eleven bad Wales would were able to, to um, to get something out of that game. But like, once again, it's football, and it's it's so it's so good. Like, um, it's so good, and something about football, and that's Asian football, is um, is pretty good. It's quite, it's quite funny, isn't it? It's quite funny how um, the talk about the talk about oh, we need less Asian, Asian like we need to start thinking about how many Asian teams get to the get to the World Cup. You're sleeping on them, absolutely sleeping on them. They, especially, it's it's kind of it it's two different style as the voice goes again. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's as like pick up a ball on the mic, but in my own headset, it is I can tell the tell it so differently. And this is with two blocked ears because of the 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 big doof doof from last night. Anyway, it it's kind of when we speak about Asian football, it's kind of in two two sections or two clearly defined sections. Anyway, there are obviously other sections because I'll, I'll speak about this and I'll speak about this. once I speak about this, you'll understand. 
But you have you have the East Asian teams, the likes of South Korea, Japan, more predominantly, who are just so technically just so proficient. That is obviously something which they pride themselves on. Um, this just being so just just so technical, just being able to pick up the ball. Like every single one of those players is a playmaker. They're, they're playmakers. They can pick up the ball. They can dictate the tempo. So comfortable, so composed, and they're just fluid. They're just fluid. That's what. That's kind of what Japan pride themselves on in a, in a sense. They are obviously very structured and very disciplined as well, but um, I feel like that's a little bit more. I want to say representative, but that's kind of a little bit more synonymous with South Korea a little bit. But when we speak about when we speak about like that that whole Eastern Eastern Asian block when it comes to football, just being so technically sound, being so technically proficient. Um, being so, yeah, just being like so technical. So many technical players, man, and it's kind of it allows them to it allows them to be very fluid, very interchangeable, and allows them to play. It allows them to go into different areas of the pitch, if that makes sense. So they can, if they want to make it a scrap, they can make it a scrap because the the once I speak about the discipline as well, they can make it a scrap. If they want to make it a, a elegant footballing game, they can do that. If they want to sit back and defend and hit on the counter, they can do that. Because Japan and South Korea, in particular, of course, they're the two predominant teams in that um, in that East Asian bloc, right? They they are just so once so technically sound, so technically sound. It is so it, like if you watch Asian football, obviously, obviously when when the when the qualifiers come around, like, I keep a key on and keep eye, keep a keen eye on it. Um, similarly with the Asian Cup. Just so yeah, it's it's magnificent to watch, absolutely magnificent to watch. And then when you move to like the the Middle East Asian sides, the likes of Iran, the likes of Saudi Arabia, the likes of the UAE, um, Qatar, even. It's it's once again it's a, it's different, but what you have with this is just it's kind of do anything to win, and this unrivaled, I would say discipline, but also just hunger and desire to win at all costs win and we've seen it um obviously saudi arabia didn't say die against against argentina iran didn't say die against wales and it's 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 very good to watch i i i am very jealous as an australian who have struggled to find their identity and struggled to find what they're what they are in football and where they are and their kind of purpose but um it is what it is. You just gotta take your hat off and applaud and applaud them because it's it's special. It's special. It really is special to look at these sides who have been so heavily underestimated, so heavily discarded, and it like people who know. Like and once again, I don't want to stick my nose up and say, oh, whatever. Because I didn't. I had Iran finishing third. I had Saudi Arabia finishing third. I had Qatar finishing second. I had Japan finishing third. I had Australia finishing second. I had South Korea finishing third. So really, I only had a, I only had two Asian sides making it. I didn't have any Asian side finishing bottom. I don't think. Maybe I had South Korea bottom. I'm not quite sure. But I don't think I had any. I don't think I had any Asian side finishing bottom. Um, I had two going through and the rest finishing third. Let's be honest. Saudi Arabia can go through. Japan can go through. South Korea, if they get a result against Ghana, can definitely go through. And. Um, Iran can definitely go through. If I, wait, Saudi Arabia, Japan, South Korea, Iran can definitely go through. All those four sides can. Mo- and I mean, I mean, I don't want to tempt fate, but if Australia get all three points against Tunisia, they go into the final game against Denmark with everything to play for, right? 
so many of these sides are still well within it. I said this pre-tournament, you're going to underestimate them at the at your peril. Underestimate them at your peril. And it kind of came to a shock to me that a lot of people were underestimating them because I thought it was common knowledge just how good they were. Especially Japan, South Korea, um, Iran, and Saudi Arabia. Qatar, to a little bit of a lesser extent, but you had Iran and Saudi Arabia were the top qualifying teams. Japan and South Korea finished second in their respective groups, but we all know just how good they are, right? We all know the talent that they possess, South Korea. We all know what they did back in 2018. Um, they beat they beat Germany. Japan got to got to the round of 16 and really should have got to the quarters. Um, Qatar obviously won the Asian Cup. I, th- I think they have been a victim of their own demise in a sense in terms of not being able to play a lot of football. But in competitive football, because they didn't need to qualify... Um, when you look at like, and then you look at, I think even if the UAE got into this tournament, if they beat Australia and if they beat Peru, they could have given it a, a, a good shake as well. Like, yeah, it, it's quite funny. It just, I just find it quite funny. That's all. Um, about how, how under, underrated they are. But yeah, a little bit of a rant there. Maybe I, I, I say, I do this rant and then I'm going to have to speak about Senegal versus Qatar. Nice. Um, so yeah, Apologies there, as uh, my voice is croaky a little bit. What this means, permutations for the group. Wales all but out, unless um, I think the only way that uh, Wales can win is, can get through is if England's, no, is if, what is it? Let me check, let me quickly check the group. Don't want to, um, yeah, it's if, um, it's if the USA and Iran draw or the USA win. And Wales beat England by about nine nil, seven nil, I think eight eight seven nil. Which I mean, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. We saw Spain beat Costa Rica seven nil. So um, who knows what might happen? But yeah, let's move on. Let's go to Senegal versus Qatar. And this game, I don't want to speak about the game too much because it was pretty. I would end the three one, but it was pretty much as everyone would expect. Senegal far too strong, dominated the game, dominated possession, far too comfortable. We saw what they did in the Netherlands game. They're probably one. Of, they're probably the best side in that group in terms of in terms of like their performances, despite only having three points, despite being third in that group. But that as things stand, um, and despite Ecuador being very good, which we'll touch on next, Senegal are probably te- te- technically the best side in that group. Um, just so comfortable on the ball, can dictate tempo, just so good, so so good. Dominated, especially the first half. Absolutely destroyed destroyed Qatar. Something which you all pretty much expected because of how poor Qatar were against Ecuador and how good Senegal were against the Netherlands. Obviously, the talent disparity is quite clear. The tactical disparity is quite clear. And also, the confidence disparity would be would be quite clear as well. Senegal, despite losing, would have would definitely have, would definitely hold their heads um very very high at the back, at the end of that Netherlands game because of just how well they performed. They definitely deserved all three points, in my opinion. Whereas Qatar were absolutely dreadful against Ecuador. They wouldn't have stopped hearing about it from the for, I don't know what the press situation is like in Qatar, but um they would have that have that game playing all over in their minds. Some just costly errors. Poor decision making, um, so their confidence would have been shot. So it was pretty much formality that Senegal were going to get a result here. I predicted, I think I predicted two one Senegal or two 0 Senegal. I think. Um, so yeah, Qatar credit to them did get back into the game a little bit in the second half, which they kind of showed that against Ecuador, but they couldn't really get anything going. They did, of course, get within one goal before um, South before Senegal got got that all important third goal and, and really put the game to bed. Um, yeah. I wanted to speak about Qatar. Now, 
Where do we start? Where do we start? Because they're, of course, they're the first team which is now mathematically gone from the World Cup. The host nation, for the first time in, is it ever? I think it might be ever. You know, I'm just gonna. I'm just, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna fact check. Fact check this. Um, I'm just gonna fact check this. But I think it might be the first time. Um, at the World Cup, host nations at the World Cup. Um, so yeah, so, okay, so Qatar are the earliest, are, are the earliest host country to get eliminated. I think they might be the first, yeah, so Qatar joins South Africa as the only countries to get knocked out of the World Cup in the group stage. Yeah, there you go. Um... So yeah, they're the second side in history to to get eliminated in the group stage. They're the earliest host nation to get eliminated at the group stage, and it's just what can you say? Like what can you say? Because <coughs> sorry, as my voice is getting progressively progressively worse. But but what can you say? Like what can you say? Because. How how the, how can you spend so much money, like so much money, on this tournament? Both, 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 literally in in terms of spending money on the tournament itself and the infrastructure and the staffing and the 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 operation of it, right? Like in that literal aspect. But how can you spend so much money building up your football side? And I saw this tweet by Josh Parrish, um, if I can find it. Um, I think it was from Josh Parrish anyway. No, it wasn't from Josh Parrish. Surely it was. I swear it was. It wasn't. Oh, there you go. Did I like it? I'll try to find it if I liked it. But, um... No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Um... I can't find it. Anyway, I thought it was from Josh Parrish. It wasn't. But basically, it was. It just. It just outlined what what Iran, what Qatar did, and basically, if I can remember it rightly, rightly, and if I can paraphrase, they they were spe- they just spent a ridiculous amount amount of money. If you do your research, I think there's a fantastic series on Tifo, Tifo, um, Tifo football, the YouTube channel, unbelievable YouTube channel. I think it might have been episode two or three of their five-part documentary on the Qatar World Cup. And it spoke about the Qatari football, like the football, not the actual tournament, but the football itself, right? And it, and it spoke about it spoke about the way that the Qatari national team has come to, come to be about, in a sense. Of course, they they have they are they have a history of nationalizing a lot of players. However, they I think it may have been twenty ten, maybe two thousand eight. Um, they developed the Aspire Academy. Um, Aspire, I think it's an Aspire Academy where basically they just spent billions of dollars, if not a billion or more dollars, on on football, in football, the development of football in in that country, and they've had they've had it would have been two thousand and two thousand and ten they would have they would it would have been announced. So they've had twenty they've had twelve years, they've had twelve years to to kind of get to get their shit sorted, and and we all thought that they did. Granted, they I can't remember what the qualification was back in twenty like their last qualification campaigns have been like. If we look at Qatar, um, so so let's go with the so so the Asian Cup, so the Asian Cup group in in two thousand and in two thousand and eleven, they finished second in their group, 
right? Which is okay, not bad. In 2015, they finished rock bottom, finished rock rock bottom in 2015 the Asian Cup, right? They they made it to the third round of qualification in 2014. They didn't get out. They they um they finished fourth. In 2010, they finished fourth again, and in 2018, they finished rock bottom of their groups of the qualification groups, right? So 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 when you look at the qualification, and that was 2018, you're thinking, okay, fuck. I think I think maybe what did they do in the 2011 Asian Cup? If I can scroll back so far on SofaScore as as I stall for a moment, um, here we go. 2011 Asian Cup. They they lost to Japan. Granted, they lost to Japan in um on extra time. On extra time, they lost to Japan. So not on extra time. They lost to Japan three two, in the 2011 Asian Cup in the round of 16. Right. So so from so it's almost like from from 2018 onwards. So from, so from 20 oh, 2008, I think that's when the academy opened to 2018. Hadn't worked. Dreadful, shocking, abysmal. Didn't qualify for didn't qualify for a World Cup. Didn't really do anything on the age at the Asian Cup. However, in twenty nineteen, things just changed. Things just changed, and they started winning, and they started winning, and they started winning, and they started winning more, and they won the Asian Cup in twenty nineteen. This was this was their first proper tournament since the qualification campaign. And if you want to say proper tournament, they played the Golf Cup. Which I don't know how seriously that's taken within the golf, right? But they finished they finished second in their group. They finished second in their group and they lost in the semifinals to to Saudi Arabia. I don't know how, how seriously that's taken. I don't I'm not too clued up. I don't know if, if it's kind of like the if it's kind of like the Asian Asian games, if that's kind of or maybe like the Nations League, I'm not quite sure. But and they they won the Asian Cup and they won it scintillatingly. They they Beat Lebanon 2-0, North Korea 6-0, Saudi Arabia 2-0, Iraq 1-0, South Korea 1-0, the UAE 4-0, and Japan 3-1. They were fucking unbelievable. And and it's like... It's kind of like... like I don't, you don't really know how it kind of works. Because how can they be so poor all of a sudden? How can they be so poor? Of course, they didn't need to qual. They didn't need to qualify because of because of um, they were hosted it. But they played the they played the Gold Cup last year. They drew to Panama three 0 They beat Granada four 0 They beat Honduras two two 0 They beat El Salvador three two, and they beat Qatar. They lost to the USA one 0 in in the quarterfinals by f- being more than reasonable in that game. It almost seems that like the the lack of the lack of proper international games and the pro- lack of proper competitiveness within the last twelve months has hurt them heavily. Playing friendlies isn't a sub isn't isn't a substitute in the slightest. Um, it's just so it's so concerning how they can spend so much money on on or like forget about the running of the tournament, forget about the operations, the infrastructure, the staffing, everything. Forget about the tournament itself. Let's just speak about the football. The fact that they can spend billions of dollars on the football. And the fact that they can change their philosophy and start and start stop nationalizing players and start developing players from their from the um kind of bringing people in in the in the promise of them playing football at the elite level, and the fact that they they can do that and still dish out this rubbish and and this dross is fucking abysmal, it's shocking. It's it's just terrible and it's it, it it's like I mean, once again they're the second host nation to get knocked out of the group stage, right? First one was first one was South Africa. 
very, very easy to root for South Africa. Very, very easy to root for South Africa. Um, I, of course, was six at the time, so I, I can't remember anything of that tournament apart from the Australian Games and the final. But it's very hard to root for Qatar. And due to, due, due to no fault of the players themselves, by the way. No fault, of course not. It's never, it never is, right? No fault of the players themselves. They are so, I assume, they're so innocent in all of this, right? And they, they're just, they're kind of, I wouldn't say at the behest, but their people's feelings towards them are so not, are so not actually involved with them. But what you have is, yeah, what you have is a very, very unlikable state that, we like to see at see their downfall in any regard, and that if that involves if that involves their football team, that involves their football team. It's a shame, but once again, I think they're going to be pretty shameful to the fact that they've spent billions of dollars on their football team and have been the earliest host nation to ever been eliminated from the World Cup. Scored one goal in two games, conceded five. Just just abysmal, really. Just shocking. Not good enough. A terrible and toodaloo. Au revoir, because. What can you say? What can you say? Um, we're touching on 33 minutes here. Let's move on. Ne- Netherlands, Ecuador. Um, Ecuador quite good, actually. It's um, that's, that's literally what I've got by now. It's my first lad. Ecuador actually quite good. I'm surprised. I'm very surprised. Like I said, I, I predicted them to not get a point at the group. Oh, I, didn't, I predicted, them, predicted them not to get a point in the group. And they've got four. And they look very good. They dominated um, Netherlands. It, it, I would have said dominated because in terms of in terms of ascendancy on the game, it was very similar, pretty similar. Maybe Ecuador had a little bit more ascendancy, but when you look at shots, when you look at shots, and you look at chances created, Ecuador dominated. Ecuador dominated, and it's it surprised me. It surprised me because I rated Netherlands so highly, especially after that Senegal game. I thought they were that smash and grab job style that they played was quite good. And I think it, I think when you versus a slightly worse side like like Ecuador, you'd be able to carry, hold the ball and hold the ball a little bit more and control possession a little bit more. But that obviously wasn't to be. They um were just kind of playing the same way. And Cody, Cody Gakpo is a fucking freak. Shot like he's a freak. He's so good. He's unbelievable. Like. That goal is just, my goodness, unbelievable. Um, Netherlands only had two shots for the whole game, which is quite, um, quite, quite concerning. But um, yeah, I don't really know what more to speak about this. Kind of because I want to wrap this up pretty soon. Um, I want to try and make these podcasts forty minutes max. That's my aim. Forty minutes. I don't want to really go that much over forty minutes. Um, because I just can't, I just can't. It, it it adds up, it adds up. Eventually, maybe like if if cut five minutes for the or for the episodes, then it will it will add up. Um, but yes, obviously, yeah, not a lot to speak about this game. But it ended one all. Um, and Valencia. And Valencia, eh? did he? He was the one that scored, didn't he? I swear he scored. I swear he was a goal scorer. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Spanner Valencia, eh? How good? How how? It, it, one of those like. Plays streets will never forget. Maybe he wasn't that good for streets will never forget, but he was still a very very handy player for um for West Ham. He did he play for another Prem team? Did he play for Everton? 
I think he might have played for Everton as well. So um, it was a pretty handy, pretty handy play for both of those sides. So um, there you go, good team doing it on the world st- on the world stage. Um, so yeah, what that means for the group is that Netherlands are all but through. Um, Ecuador versus Senegal will be a great game to see who will get through in that group, which is going to be going to be absolutely marvelous. And I can't I can't wait for that game. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, I'm not, yeah, that's going to be really good. The simultaneous kickoffs as well is going to be great. So anyway, let's let's finish up. Let's finish up. And let's go. Let's. I want to speak about England versus USA, but I've spoken about everything else for too long. I want to speak on. I want to speak on three, four points. I want to speak on. I want to speak on three points, quickly. One of them, Phil Foden. Now, a lot of people are very angry about Phil Foden not playing. Uh, he didn't even get. A, he didn't even get a sub off the bench. A lot of people are very, very angry at this. Now. I, I agree. I think Phil Foden should be playing. I think he's probably one of the most talented players in that squad. Arguably one of maybe three or four world-class players in that squad alongside maybe Harry Kane. And I mean, you're clutching at straws for, for the others, right? However, there is a certain games for certain players, right? And the way that... And, and this this is obviously going to transition to a, to a point which I'm going to touch on. The USA are actually a lot, a lot better than what a lot of people think, right? So... When you look at Phil Foden in this game, it's kind of like, all right, what does he offer? He offers the ability to take it to be able to take a man on to collect the ball in those half spaces, swivel on a dime, and get through tight areas and get a get a shot opportunity, right? However, what he what that means is that he's going to be very susceptible to getting tackled, very susceptible to the turnover, which means England going to be very susceptible on the counter attack. This side that England played was a very very it was a side that offered a lot of comfortability and a lot of just patience and possession and a lot of calmness on the ball. Phil Foden, despite his talent and despite his brilliance, is can be profligate at times. It can be a little bit little bit like can give the ball away at times. So what Gareth Southgate was going for was a side that was going to be able to retain possession, be very composed, be very relaxed, and just wait for their opportunity instead of trying to force the issue. Phil Foden forces the issue, which at times makes him one of the best footballers in the world to watch. However, at times, it makes him one of the most frustrating footballers in the world to watch because he turns the ball over, he's profligate, and this will come with age. As he gets more experience and as he gets more mature, he will learn when to go and when not to go. This wasn't the game for Phil Foden. I think in the game against Iran, that was the game for Phil Foden. I think the next game against Wales, that'll be the game for Phil Foden because Wales aren't as dangerous as the USA on the counter-attack and will sit a lot deeper with a lot more numbers, meaning that there is uh, there is a bigger chance for him to pick up the ball and, and be able to dictate the tempo slightly deeper from that left-hand side and really just show his class that way. The USA do press slightly higher, do press slightly more aggressively than Iran and, and Wales. So what that means is that it, they have the ability to get that turnover quickly and and then hit on the counter-attack with pace. This wasn't the game for Foden. This doesn't mean that Southgate's a shit manager. This doesn't mean that Southgate doesn't know what he's doing. It just means, it actually means that Southgate knows exactly what he's doing because this wasn't the game for Phil Foden, in my opinion. Against Wales, 100% he should start, and 100% he should be given the no- all 90 minutes. And in the knockout stages, when they come up against better teams, when you need that bit of individual class, you need that ability to break a line or to take a man on or to get a shot off, he should start. I think this wasn't the game for him because of the dynamic between both sides and because of the way Gary Southgate approached the game. If Southgate approached the game like a like went helpful at the all-out attack, wanted to dominate the ball, dominate possession, and wasn't really that concerned about the USA's threat on the counter-attack, then I think this was the game for Phil Foden in, in that regard. However, Garrett Southgate understood the threat that the USA had on the counter-attack and realized, okay, this isn't the game for Phil Foden because of the reasons I've said.
they're just my two cents on Foden. Um, it just frustrated me a little bit because of everyone saying, oh, Phil Foden should play, Phil Foden should play. I agree. I think he probably should have come off the bench, but I don't necessarily think he should have started for the reasons I've said. Um, what else am I going to touch on? The USA, the USA are very good. I think the USA will get through. I think they'll beat Iran. I really like Iran. I really do, like I said, but I think the USA just have a little bit more class. It was a very typical Gareth Southgate game. For The calls for Gareth Southgate to get sacked are, are fucking ridiculous. They're absolutely fucking absurd. It, just shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. You won 6-2, man. You won 6-2. You got four points. You're going to beat Wales 5-0. You're going to get through the group on seven points, on eight points, seven points. And you're going to be happy as Larry. Just relax. Just calm the fuck down, please. Like, oh my God, you ungrateful pricks. Like, like he is so, he's so not in any threat of being sacked. It's ridiculous. And who are you going to bring in? Who are you going to bring in? What, his assistant, who has the exact same philosophies as him? Or he, any of his backroom stuff that, has, that have the exact same philosophies as, philosophy as him? It's going to be the worst thing in the world to sack, to sack him. It's going to be ridiculous. Anyway. Let's finish up and let's go to the preview. They're just my two cents. Got me so angry watching that. And like, yeah, like it's, it's just, it's fucking, it's just so frustrating seeing people utterly just ridiculous. Like it's, it's actually ridiculous. Actually ridiculous. Uh, anyway, let's, let's go to the preview as I calm down. Four games, four games we're going to preview, and we're going to touch on, we're going to touch on Tunisia versus Australia. I want to speak on this briefly, because I want to wrap it up. Australia must win, must win. I'm not going to say it's easy, I'm not going to say it's easy, because it won't be easy, it's going to be very tough, it's going to be a slog, but Australia must win, and by any means necessary. I don't care who you fucking verse uh, or how you play. I don't care if it's a 90th minute dodgy penalty or an own goal or a goal off your fucking ass or whatever. I just want to fucking win. I just want to win. Because if we win, we get those three points. It's going to be our first three points since 2010. And we're going to go into that game against Denmark with literally everything to play for. Everything to play for. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm nervous. I'm excited. It's hit me right now as I'm speaking about it. The nerves. 9, 9 p.m. Get down to Fed Square if you're in Melbourne. Get down to literally any pub, any bar in your in your state, in, in wherever you are. Get around these. Get around these boys because this is our fucking time. This is our chance to get three points. This is our chance to fucking plant our flag into this group and say, yeah, we're not done. We got beat four one, but this isn't over. We're gonna go into this game against Denmark with fucking everything to play for. Come on, fucking... Uh, uh, I love this tournament, man. I love this sport so much. Fuck. I don't want to give... I'm not going to give a prediction. I'm not going to give a prediction for this game. I can't. I'm not going to give a prediction for this game. I can't. I don't want to jinx it. I'm not going to I'm not gonna jinx it. Because I jinxed it against France. So I'm not going to jinx it. No no prediction from from me. Poland, Saudi Arabia. And I'm just... And for the rest of the games, I'm just going to give a prediction without giving explanation like I did last time. Poland, Saudi Arabia. I'm going to go with... 2-0 Saudi Arabia. France, Denmark. 1-0 Denmark. Arge- 
one all. France, Denmark, one all. Argentina, Mexico. Argentina need a win, right? Fuck it. Three two Argentina. Fuck it. Get some goals. Get some goals going. Um we've had enough nil nils. Let's get some goals. Um yes. But we're done. Forty tick tick on the forty five minutes. I hope this will be out in time. It's currently twelve fifty two. I, if I've left this later again, I need to let this manage my time properly. But no. Thank you all very much for watching another episode of the Two Footed Tackle Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Do all that good stuff. Leave your thoughts and predictions in the comment section below. Leave your thoughts on whatever I've said. If you disagree with me, please please, please express your opinions. I would love to have a debate with anyone. Um, I love debating. I love I love differing opinions on football. It's great. Um, it can bond the people. It's pretty good. Um, but no, yes. Leave your thoughts in the comment section below. Leave your predictions. Share it around, give it all the love, subscribe, all the socials, like I said at the start, plugging all the stuff, please do it, it would mean the world to me, but yes. Thank you all very much for watching. Hopefully this is out at 2pm. Yes, we're going to be back. Come on Australia, surely we get it done. We have to get it done. Thank you guys very much for watching. See you guys next time. Goodbye.